Recording 100% legally for the first time in our history. Welcome to Hand of Pod. It's a big episode, this one, because although we've been going for almost six and a half years, this is the first time that we've got a uh, crew in the studio that are all actually allowed to be in the country, because my DNI's come through. I'm now an official resident. Actually, technically, I've been allowed to be in the country since uh, uh, September, October last year, because that was when I started, and that's when they gave me a bit of paper, but uh, it, it feels nice to be able to tell you all this anyway, so... Let's just go with the joke. Uh, I'm Sam Kelly, and I'm joined this week by a real-life Argentine, who's definitely allowed to be here, and always has been, Andres. Welcome back. Hello, and congratulations. Didn't know that, uh, or I, I think I, I read something on your Facebook, but uh, now that you are telling this, uh, I I remember uh, you posting that. Uh, and so now you are Samuel. I am, yeah, yes. Samu. As, uh, yes. as the, the lady in immigration called me when I took my girlfriend in for the interview with them. Um, thank you very much. Uh, we did not record last week because there wasn't really very much to say. As I put on the, um, the Twitter, the Hand of Pod Twitter, um, it would have been a fairly boring show. There was a little bit to update, but not really much. And the reasons behind the delay were the same as the reasons that we mentioned two weeks ago when we recorded with Dan. Um, so that's why there was no hand of pod last week. Uh, but now, finally, we actually have some football to talk about because the, the round that we were previewing two weeks ago ended up getting called off as we kind of expected and hinted that it might be um, during the last episode and was eventually played this weekend just gone. So now I'm going to give you the results from the 15th round of the Primera División. It was a goal-packed one. We began on Thursday last week with Belles Sarsfield defeating Estudiantes 3-2. Um, Mariano Pavone getting a very, very late winner against his one of his old clubs um, there. Patronato beat Arsenal 4-2 on Friday night. And then on Saturday we had San Lorenzo 2, Belgrano de Cordoba 1, Defensa Justicia 1, Newell's Old Boys 0, Banfield 0, Boca Juniors 2, San Martín de San Juan, nil, Huracán, 1. On Sunday, Gimnasia de Grima La Plata beat Quilmes, 3-1, at home. Tempele beat Tigre, 3-1, also at home. Uh, Racing beat Lanús, 3-0, in El Cilindro. River and Unión produced the round's only goalless draw um, on Sunday evening. Rosario Central went down 1-0 at home to Godoy Cruz. Atlético Tucumán got a 2-1 win over Sarmiento. And in Monday's two games, Aldo Civi beat Atletico de Rafaela 1-0. And Colón and Olimpo drew 1-1 in Santa Fe. Tacheres against Independiente, of course, hasn't been played yet. Um, for the same reason as Belgrano against somebody or other uh, won't be played Racing. this weekend. Racing? Yes. 
Oh yeah, yeah, right, of course it was, yeah. Um, that won't be played this weekend, I don't think, because the Mario Kempest pitch is still in a bit of a state. We will explain why later, because we have had a listener's question about that. So I actually looked into the, the proper reasons, rather than just giving a very vague um, reasoning, as, as uh, w- which we did a couple of weeks ago. Right then, main talking points from the weekend, Andres? Well, I think that the, clearly the winner of the round was Boca, because mm. uh, the, the win against Banfield led them... Be uh, continue being the the sole leaders as they finished yeah. last year when round fourteen was played. Newell's um, lost, Estudiantes yeah. lost, San Lorenzo of course, who were level with Newell's yes. in in joint second place almost uh, before yes. the weekend started did win, so they're still in touch. But uh, yeah, yes, otherwise. San Lorenzo we can say that they put pressure into Boca mm. uh, to Boca because uh, San Lorenzo played before before them. Uh, winning 2-1 in, in Belgrano and Boca was like with a must win to, to continue being the, the only leaders and, and uh, I think that with no brilliant uh, game or play but uh, accuracy in the in the opportunities they had uh, uh, confirmed they are I think not I don't know the best team but uh, they are clearly the, the winners of the round because of, of that being news, uh, estudiantes, uh, uh, the losers of the round, perhaps, because yeah. they were uh, the, the, the second or third uh, in the positions. Now they are, like, well, breathing uh, fresh air because of that. Indeed. Uh, in fact, I've just had a quick look while you were talking, Andres, and I now realise something I should have realised at the time, but didn't because I wasn't looking at the league table over the weekend, um, which is that only three of the top nine in the league won their matches this weekend. Boca won, uh, Boca top, San Lorenzo, who are now second, also won. Um, but then Newell's lost, Estudiantes lost, Banfield lost, of course, to Boca, Lanús lost to a sixth, to Racing, who therefore won their game, um, their seventh, and River and Union drew with each other. So you've got to go down to tenth at Letico Tucumán before you find the, the fourth team in the table who actually won a match at the weekend. Um, so as you say, it was a fine weekend for Boca. Not a bad one at all for San Lorenzo either, given that I think they'd probably have expected Boca to start as favourites against Banfield, but staying in touch with them is, is good, and, and they've now got a three-point gap themselves to second, third-placed sorry, Newell's. Um, what did you make of, of, of Boca's performance? Because it wasn't sort of classic, but it was very, very effective, and against very tough opponents. It, it's the first away win that they've claimed over Banfield in nine years. Oh, right. Uh, and let me add about the the, the winners of the round and, and that's that stuff that they will now play against a team that hasn't played this weekend because uh, like you said the Mario Alberto Gempes pitch is not uh, okay not good in good conditions and they uh, uh, they will uh, face Tacheres mm. so the Tacheres is with three months of months of no uh, activity uh, Apart from the, of course, the friendlies they they played against River friendly or well, I don't remember now the friendlies they they played the the friendlies that were broadcasted as as official matches yeah because there were no official matches uh, and they would play Tacheres this weekend um, so I think that there will they will have another little advantage of course of course River San Lorenzo now have played only once. Uh, Officially, 
But well, well San Lorenzo have played twice officially and yes. are about to have played three times because another thing that happened since we last recorded yes. uh, is that they got taken to pieces last week in. Hang on, who were they playing last week? Maracana. Thank you, yeah, it was in Rio, yeah. Uh, by Flamengo, 4-0 in their Copa Libertadores opener. And as I speak, they are literally just about to kick off um, their first home game of this year's Libertadores campaign against Atletico Paranaense, um, also of Brazil. And that is the referee's whistle, so that, that match has just started now. Um, so I guess they're going to be a little bit more match fit, or possibly quite a lot more match fit than Tacheres are, uh, yes. which ought to play... Uh, a, a part in things you would think certainly Atletico Tucumán have looked like the most consistently um, impressive side from their Libertadores opener mm. and their league opener and of course they already had four um, actual competitive matches yes. to get through uh, before either of those matches because they had two Copa Libertadores qualifying mm. rounds to get through Yes, I don't think that's coincidental well and answering your, your question I, I have uh, watched uh, that match and uh, the Banfield Boca match and um, in the first half was really really bad uh, mm. for Boca uh, Banfield even uh, scored the goal that was disallowed uh, because of a uh, uh, potential offside from Sitanich which wasn't was a Bartolo offside but they were close one one to the other one and and the, I think I think Centurion was uh, like we say here enganchado he was uh, allow uh, he allowed the Sitanich in uh, in a clear position to score, but uh, the the linesman Belati, yes. uh, I think he is, he so was. Centurion was playing him on side, yeah. yes. Uh, but yeah, as you say, Bertolo was was the guy who was just off, and, yes, and the linesman's flag went up very yes. quickly. Uh, the goal was uh, should have been allowed and wasn't. So then that point and the, and the other play, Boca was the Boca uh, opened the, the score with the Benedetto, one of the Benedetto goals. Yeah, two very, very similar goals from Dario yeah. Benedetto, in fact, kicking them both in from yeah. a from couple of yards out, really, after, well, one cross was, yes. the, the first goal came from Fabris cross, didn't it, on the left, and then the second one came from um, Barrios. Thank you, Barrios. So, right. were two Colombian crosses, or passes, for Benedetto, and both scored. Mm. Um, so, efficient from Boca. And uh, a, a decent start to them for uh, to life after Carlos Tevez. Um, they they look decent apart from that. I mean, as you said, the Banfield's goal could very well have stood. But I mean, other than that, and considering the, the difficulty of going away to Banfield, um, it, it was a professional performance from Boca. They didn't look like they were too badly affected after that very long extended summer break. Um, not something that you could say of, for instance, Newell's old boys, who, as we've already mentioned, were second at the beginning of the um, weekend and are now third, having lost uh, away to Defensi Justicia. Um, and they just looked, as did several other teams really this weekend, they, they looked rather sluggish. Um, it's interesting because I, I spoke briefly to um, Noen Pass, uh, Newell's defender, um, for an article that I did a couple of weeks ago for the Independent UK um, newspaper on the reasons for the delay, and, and I sort of asked him, "What, what did you? Uh, how have you found the the the, the process of, of having to warm up for this season without actually knowing when the season's going to be starting? Because you know, normally if you're warming up and you're playing warm-up matches, you you time everything specifically to have a sort of peak of of your physical and and uh, and I guess to an extent emotional or, or, or morale." Um, 
form just as you're going into that first game of the season and that was impossible really this time and he said you know it is really difficult it's very tiring and it's very tiresome um, <clears throat> and the only thing that we can do is play these friendlies as if they were competitive matches which is something that we all remarked on Lucho Gonzalez has just scored for Atletico Paranaense after just three minutes the former Huracan midfielder yeah um, and and so what what he said was you know it, it is it's very difficult but we don't really have any choice but to go along with it um, and, and Nils I know specifically the case of, of No One Pass but Nils was one of the teams marked as uh, one of the worst in terms of economic situation with uh, not paying the wages of the players for four, four, four or five months So I think that it will. It is also stressful in in order of not having, not not knowing when you are going to have your your money, which belongs to you because it's your salary, and and even and apart from that, not 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 being able to play. So you are a football player. They are paying you, but well, not paying you because they were not pay, being paid, but they pay you for 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 playing, and you can't play, and you are not even. Uh, receiving your wages, so it's a double stressful situation. I, I, I imagine that, of course, it's this excuses in Argentine football are, of course, you are ho you are all the time here excuses that, that the pitch, that the physical situation, that the uh, they were not not uh, in a good form because of the delay of the start of the mm. tournament. But in this case, I think that it it was uh, something that yeah. had to do with the, what their performance. Oh, undoubtedly, and and I mean, it's, as I said, it, it affected various other teams really over the weekend. There were some, perhaps more obviously than others. I missed uh, Vélez Estudiantes, and of course, Estudiantes' form had already fallen off towards the end of last year. We have a question about that later, so we yes. won't go into it too much. Um, but you know, given how awful Vélez were for the whole of 2016, it would not surprise me uh, if Estudiantes are one of these teams who were so affected. Um, similarly, I know that Lanús were because I saw them. I, I attended um, their Copa Libertadores opener last Thursday against Nacional, and it was actually a pretty even game. Uh, but they went one nil down, and, and after that, couldn't really get back into it. Um, they just seemed to be lacking a little bit of rhythm, and, and seemed to be, especially as the second half dragged on, sort of second to all of the the, the second balls, as we say. Yes. Um, and that kind of thing and I think that that was perhaps a bit of a hangover in the game against Racing although it is also worth mentioning that they are clearly prioritizing the Copa Libertadores because for that game against Racing uh, Racing were in um, at full strength just to remind you they lost uh, Racing won 3-0 um, and Lanús made nine changes from their Libertadores lineup a few days before yeah two days and uh, some hours Yeah. After uh, it was, and of course they have another Libertadores game this week. They're they're away to Chapecoense tomorrow night. Yes. Um, so it's it's tricky and a tricky balancing act for Lanús, particularly, and, and I guess also for San Lorenzo, But who we're watching right now. I think that, that it's more most more remarkable or more, or more surprising the the Lanús fall than the Estudiantes fall because Estudiantes mm. uh, when they were leaders of the of the tournament and then starting to fall like uh, prog progressively, not uh, all in a sudden. Like the way that Lanús did, uh, with two matches that they lost, with no scoring goals, after playing, of course, it was one month or so uh, uh, ago, uh, yeah. River uh, uh, winning the Supercopa Argentina and being That's just the, the opposite way, being uh, with the, I think I would say, decent play and, and, and accurate scoring, three goals. 
So uh, that is, I think, more surprising than, than the Estudiantes fall. The Supercopa Argentina was on the 4th of February, so yeah. One month and almost exactly, a half. Yeah. yeah. Um, but yeah, I mean, it, it, it was an interesting one as a result, and as it, it's sort of difficult to, to work out whether what we were seeing at the weekend is an indicator of how each team is going to do over the course of the year, or whether it's also an indicator of just uh, of that kind of chaos that uh, that is still hanging over from from the summer break. You know, we we knew that once football started up again, that wasn't going to be the end, the last that we would hear it, of this extended fact, break because of this whole thing of you yes. know it's going to take some teams a few games to get back into their rhythm again. In fact, sorry to interrupt you. Mm. In fact, uh, for example, that was the thing that Gallardo said uh, for River. Um, you can believe him or not, but he said uh, that, uh, for example, Leonardo Poncio didn't e- wasn't even called to to be in the subs bench against Union because he had been with a lot of nerves and, and tension, mm. uh, nerves and tension because of the meetings he had with uh, at futbolistas argentinos agremiados, the trade union. Yes, as, as Rivers' captain, yes. he was yes. he was the representative, and the, yeah. he he wasn't able to train properly and. Uh, that was like the main reason why he didn't play. So if that's true, that's something that had directly to do with uh, with the uh, with the players' uh, way of the, the way they they were uh, mentally, phys- uh, um, psychologically uh, mainly, and then well, of course, physically. If you don't train properly, you will feel uh, the same. Yeah, um, and that's a very neat way into a chance to discuss. Rivers' performance against Union in, as I mentioned, the only nil-nil draw of the weekend. I think it's probably safe to say the dullest game of the weekend yes. as well. It, you know, nil-nils aren't always boring, and games with lots of goals aren't always exciting. But in this case, uh, I think the scoreline actually does speak for the intensity of the match. Um, the most, from a River point of view, at least the, the the thing most worth talking about is probably Luciano Lolo's much delayed um, debut for River. He, of course, was injured when they signed him in the middle of last year and has taken until now to, to recover from... It was a fracture, wasn't it? Or a ligament tear or something when he when he was at Racing? I think it was, a, yes, a fracture because... He's, he's been out since April last year. He has been on the surgery and then uh, he didn't recover properly. Yeah, that's And right. again into another... So, it, yes, it was... Um, and he had a bit of a mixed game. There were some vital defensive... Uh, Interventions, but there were also one or two absolute howlers, and one pass in particular, which was uh, if it was in a rugby game, it would have been termed a suicide pass for um, the goalkeeper Augusto Batasha, who, who eventually managed to save the uh, well to prevent the yes. chance by basically body checking an opponent he and was taking a yellow card for himself. Just the other way that Lola was mm. uh, with the, the uh, fast, ne- uh, he was fast enough to to prevent a because it wa- there were uh, clear options, goal options because of the bad passes from. From Lolo, uh, there were yeah. uh, yes back, back passes with uh, uh, lack of, of power, and that shows that he was lack of also of, of uh, time and space because uh, the the so-called timing mm. to to uh, calculate the the distance and the and the and the power they he had to 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 give to the pass and well yeah um, it's not all sort of disastrous news for River. I mean, they were without Lucas Alario uh, through injury, I think. Um, and, and obviously Poncio in, in, in midfield. But over the summer, there was a sort of sense watching some of River's games that the finishing 
wasn't there and, and it looked like that again. Um, it's like, like uh, they, they couldn't play fluently uh, with the like a, a same rhythm with the in a long period of time. They it were it was there was short spaces of time in which River could uh, put Union into their goal and and, and try to I, I, even there was a polemic there with a long distance shot from from Nacho Fernandez. Yeah. Who well apparently the the the, the ball uh, got into the net and the the, the lineman uh, didn't allow or didn't give us a oh that ball. wasn't across the line yes no, no, no that, that was that, that was a good shout I think it the whole of the ball wasn't across the whole of the line um, but yeah it came down off the crossbar and there was a bit of a kerfuffle for a couple of minutes it, it, the commentators got very excited they thought it might have been a goal but when they eventually showed the replay I didn't think it was and just to correct myself by the way Lucas Alario did in fact play the last half hour I was misremembering yes. uh, he yes. wasn't match fit but but uh, so that's why he wasn't in the starting lineup because um, he was injured oh that's right he would have missed the game if it had been played the previous weekend which of course it wasn't um, so it's not all bad. They, they, they've got him to come back to full fitness. Yes. They, they've got a couple of other things. He would but they do tonight. need to improve their... Yes. Oh, tonight, of course. Yeah, Rivers start their Copa Libertadores campaign in an hour and a quarter. Um, away to Independiente Medellín, Medellín yes. in Colombia. Um, so once they're, once they're all back, but at the same time, they have a very difficult balancing act to put off with the Copa Libertadores as well. Um, other... Noteworthy performances. Normally, of course, we we would go through and sort of cover the big five and then the rest. But with Independiente not having played, um, uh, and with everything being so much of a mess, uh, we're slightly out of practice. Essentially, mm-hmm. um, we have already mentioned Lanús, though. So let's talk about Racing, who similar situation to everyone else, haven't had any competitive football for a good while. Um, but I and think they look very sharp against Lanús. They took the lead yes. in the first minute. And, I was going to say that that the the only team that uh, if you watched him play, you didn't notice that they were a lot of time uh, with no matches was Racing because uh, they played just the the fluently I I I didn't uh, see at River uh, in River I I saw it in in Racing. Yeah. They, they played fluently with uh, uh, clearly knowing what to do it at every moment of the match with brilliant Gustavo Bow who was. Like like always in the summer rumor if he was going to stay or not and and the level he, he could play and 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 he was a clearly man of the match and and what well, uh, was the best man there with no uh, Lisandro Lopez who is normally the captain but he's injured mm. uh, so I, I I saw yes the I think the best team in the in the the winner of the round was Boca but the best team I that I watched was was Russell. Yeah, and and there seems to be a bit of an injection. I wonder if this sort of feeds in and helps to cancel out um, the the extended pre-season in Racing's case because, of course, they've got Diego Coca back now as manager, um, which is a big morale boost for the team after a slightly directionless second half of 2016 under Ricardo Cielinski. Um Having Coca back, the, the boss who, who won the 2014, wasn't it? Um, Torreo de Transición with the team. Um, has, seems to have injected some energy into them, and I just wonder whether that cancels out. It's like there. there is something special between Coca and the players yeah. uh, that make them be like more uh, with more uh, energy and, and 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 well, they, it's like they already knew uh, 
coca to the players and players uh, to coca, so that is, of course, an advantage for them. Some things, of course, don't change. Um, Arsenal lost, pathetically, 4-2 away to Patronato, um, having gone... 2-0 down in the opening 13 minutes uh, they then managed to claw it back to 2-2 with 9 minutes to go thought they'd rescued a point and conceded twice more in the last 7 or 8 minutes um, so Arsenal still very much adrift and of course Belgrano put in a battling performance away to San Lorenzo but lost 2-1 and are still therefore second bottom um, of the, uh, the, the the general positions table the relegation uh, sorry the, the league table where they are in the relegation table is Belgrano, fairly comfortably in mid-table. Because which I can't have, help thinking yes. is sort Thanks. of feeding into their, their poor form this season as a whole. They, they don't really have anything to play for in terms of getting into one of the Coppas. And they also don't have to worry about relegation, so they've just taken their yes. foot off the pedals. But they are, they are in the middle of the table because of Zielinski, of course. They have yeah. to be thankful to, to Ricardo Zielinski. Absolutely. Um... Other results over the weekend, as we've said already, a fairly comfortable victory for Gimnasia over Quilmes and a similarly comfortable one for Temperley over Tigre in the derby of the teams beginning with T. It's not really a derby. Um, Huracan got a good win away to San Martín, which is uh, San Juan normally not being a, a particularly easy place to go, but Huracan got a very, very early-headed goal from... Um, Briasco, forgotten his first name, sorry, Briasco, if you're listening, um, and and held on there, which could prove pretty important, because of course Huracan aren't entirely safe of relegation by any means, there are only two points, uh, two places above the relegation zone uh, in that particular table. So There, there was a time, I, I don't remember if it was, if it was uh, last year, in which uh, almost all, the, all of the points that uh, San Martín and Juan got was in the home condition. Yeah. Almost all the matches in San Juan were victories, mm. so now they are like have, we have to think of, of having points or, or getting points uh, as an away condition because that is not uh, uh, something that happens anymore. At winning winning home against Huracan that wasn't uh, precisely one of the teams that uh, I would say uh, not uh, an easy match, but not the, the hardest they could have against Huracan. No, and they absolutely. lost it, so. Uh, oh, go on. sorry. No, they will have to. They will have to have to uh, get points in a away condition. Yeah, because they are, as I say, they're sort of just dangling pendulously above that relegation zone, and too many bad results compared yes. with a couple of good ones for the teams below them um, are going to put them in some serious trouble. Uh, a game that took place at the same time as River versus Union, and therefore, which I wasn't paying full attention to but did have on the computer while River V Union was on the TV uh, was Central against Godoy Cruz which was of course a game between two of the the best teams from the last last but one uh, championship uh, Godoy Cruz you'll remember finished in the third or fourth place of the 20 of last year's transitional championship um, wasn't it the debut? I don't think so, but I don't remember if it wasn't here uh, when it was the debut of Paolo Montero in the bench of. I think it would have been because he took charge of Central at the end of last year. Yes, after, after the, the Copa break, Argentina. Didn't he? So hang on, let's have a quick look at who was in charge for the 14th round. Um, but yeah, I'm sure that. Here we go. This will tell us. Why isn't that put out? Oh, there we are. 
Yes, there was a caretaker oh. manager in, in place for that last league game after the Copa Argentina final when Chacho Condet had stood down. Um, so, yes, oh, it was yes. Paolo Montero's debut as central manager. Of course, you'll remember, some of you, um, that he was Colón de Santa Fe boss before that. And, yes, this is the same Paolo Montero, um, the Uruguayan who used to play for Juventus and I think one or two other Italian sides um, during his playing career. He appears to be a much more relaxed person as a manager than he was as a player. Yes. He played at San Lorenzo. <laughs> we remarked. Did he? Yes. Played at San Lorenzo? I didn't know that. Yes, when Alfaro was the, man, the coach of San Lorenzo. Oh, well. Yes. Learned something new every day. Thank you for that. Yes. Um, I shall now get back to Fitcher 15. Um, but I think that's most of the really noteworthy results. And then, as we said, the other sort of big one, and, and the one that sort of underlined or did a lot to underline the performances of everybody else were Atletico Tucumán who only beat Sarmiento 2-1 but Sarmiento's goal came from an 88th minute penalty um, it set up a fairly frantic last few minutes but um, it was a fairly typical Atletico Tucumán performance a, a narrow win a battling win but one that you'd be hard pressed to say they didn't fully deserve um, although Sarmiento could have got more from it Atletico had, had enough to see it out and it is hard to, to watch it, and particularly in the light of having seen their, you know, the the qualifiers in the Copa Libertadores, and also the way that they started their Copa Libertadores campaign last week with a one-one home draw against Atlético Mineiro, was it? No, they were away to Godoy Cruz. It was one of the other yes. Brazilian sides, Palmeiras. Yes, Palmeiras. Palmeiras. Um, who are you know a historically much bigger and, and much richer yes. club than Atlético Tucumán. Argentinian fans will remember Palmeiras because they lost against Boca two times, twice mm. in the in finals of Copa Libertadores. I don't know how they are now. Three years apart or something, wasn't it? it was about yes. One year apart, maybe, yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, they're the Brazilian champions at the moment. Um, it has to be said that they don't look anywhere near as good as, as Flamengo, certainly, uh, who, as we said, thrashed San Lorenzo last week. But, but when Atletico Tucumán uh, got the... the uh, qualification to the group stage in, uh, in the Copa Libertadores against Junior for the, the round of the mm. last round of the playoff. They said that they, they, their main goal was to be safe in the relegation table, but they started well because they, they, they defeated uh, um, Sarmiento and, and they didn't lose in their ever first match ever in Copa Libertadores, so they are in a good way. Yeah. Of course, they have to keep it because, as they said, uh, the, the relegation is m far more important than the Copa Libertadores, who is something historical, something that they have never done in their history. But well, uh, they are have things clear, and now that they are way in their in the tournament, uh, first division tournament is far more enough, uh, far, far more important. Absolutely, the standings then, very briefly. Um, we've gone through the top t the top few teams already, but uh, I'll, I'll run them over again just to uh, or run over them again. Hang on, either way, that sounds like I'm hitting them with a car. I'll go through them again uh, just to refresh your memories. Boca Juniors have 34 points and are top of the league. San Lorenzo in second with 31. Newell's Old Boys with 28, a third, so three points and three points behind uh, between first and second and second and third. Then, 27 points um, are in fourth place on goal difference are Estudiantes. Behind them on goal difference in fifth are Banfield. Then another one-point drop down to Lanús in sixth on 26 points. 
Racing are 7th with 24 points. River and Union separated by goal difference are 8th and 9th respectively, both with 23 points. Atletico Tucumán are 10th with 22, ahead of Independiente on goal difference. Um, so that's the top 11. And then in the relegation zone on the relegation table, which for newcomers is a different table in Argentina, um, this uh, current relegation table takes the last three years of results. So we're going from the 2014 Torneo de Transición, uh, the whole of the 2015 season, the 2016 Torneo de Transición, the transitional championship, which has lasted half a year, um, and then the current season. You add all the points together, and then you divide by the number of matches played in that period. So teams who have not been in the Primera for that whole spell are dividing their points by fewer games. Um, the relegation zone, as it stands, is uh, Atletico de Rafaela, bottom, and the only team in the division with less than one point per game. Uh, Tempele, second bottom, Sarmiento, third bottom, Olimpo in 27th. Those are the four teams who would be going down if the season had ended this weekend. Just above uh, Arsenal de Sarandí, then Huracán, then Quilmes, then Colón. I think that probably Vélez's win over Estudiantes has just about put them safe. But then again, I seem to remember saying that about a Vélez win earlier in the season and then they went on a run of a few games without a win. So who knows? Um, they might still get dragged down into it. They're certainly going to have problems in the second half of the year if they do stay up this year. Um, we'll go into why after the break because there's a very good chance there could be a lot of relegations in the second half of the year um, but for now you would have to say that sort of everybody up to Colón is probably the relegation battle and then you've got Vélez, Aldo Civi, San Martín um, just above it who could get dragged down there if they have a few poor games um, anything to add? We've mentioned Atletico Tucumán and San Lorenzo in last week's Libertadores. I've also talked very briefly about Lanús against Nacional. Did you catch um, Godoy Cruz against Atletico Mineiro? No, couldn't. Nor did I. But it was also a draw. Yes, it was. It was another 1-1 draw. Yes. And um, I, if I remember... Oh, that's right. Juan Garro, when it was either 1-0 or 0-0, missed an absolutely incredible chance, which I saw a replay of after the game. Uh completely through on goal the goalkeeper was on the wrong side of the goal and he tapped it wide from about three yards out so Godoycus probably should have won that at least so that, on the basis of that chance if not on the basis of the, the game as a whole that possibly made for Argentinian teams to not get any a single win mm. so far in the Copa Libertadores indeed as we say right now 26 minutes gone now in, in Bajo Flores where San Lorenzo 1-0 down at home to Atletico Paranaense um, and we have River kicking off um, away to Independiente Medellín in just over an hour and then tomorrow is Chapecoense against Lanús and is there another Argentine side play tomorrow? I don't think there are is uh, is one of the two I don't think so but uh, we will check indeed we will check during this very short break um, and when we come back we will have some really exciting stuff to talk to you about regarding television rights um, because we know that that's uh, one of our favourite uh, our listeners favourite things to listen about and we'll answer some listeners' questions, um, one or two other things. So don't go away.
Here we go in the second half. I've just slightly rearranged your earphones without meaning to, Andres. Sorry. Andres has bought some very fancy new headphones, which I'm listening to this on as we record. Um, what were we saying beforehand? I've just forgotten. Oh, yeah, we were going to check uh, something. Yes, about the teams, Argentinian teams that will play. Thank you, that's right. Yeah. I, knew, I knew we had checked it, and then I was thinking, hang on, it's not on my computer screen, and it's because we checked it on your phone. Um, so on Thursday, what did we say it was going to be? Like, uh, Chapicoense against Manus Manus and, and uh, Peñarol against Atletico Tucumán. That's right. So Atletico Tucumán, as we say, got a, an impressive performance in a 1 0. Uh, no, it wasn't, sorry, it was a 1 1 draw, not a 1 0 draw. Um, at home to Palmeiras last time out and they now play Uruguayan Giants and five times Copa Libertadores winners Peñarol who had the absolute living shit kicked out of them last last week not in a violent sense but in a just sense of completely being played off the pitch by Bolivia's Jorge Wilstermann um, who playing Cochabamba which is at an altitude I checked of 2,500 metres which isn't sea level um, but nor is it really high enough for it to be that much of an advantage, in my opinion. It's about the same level as Mexico City, for any listeners who've been there. Um, and when I went to Mexico City, I didn't find it at all difficult to walk around or anything like that. I think you could quite happily play football at that altitude, even though it is quite high. Um, there is a lot of pollution, but not something very, no, very... Indeed. And in Cochabamba, I'm assuming there is not as much pollution <laughs> as there is in, in Mexico City, which is the second biggest uh, urban area in the world. You can tell who runs a pub quiz here, can't you? Um, what was I going to say? Uh, what I was going to say was that that, that game, uh, although it did not involve any Argentine sides, I'm going to comment on it very briefly anyway because it's a, a historic match for the Copa Libertadores because as well as Peñarol having uh, won five Copas Libertadores, Jorge Wilstermann were one of the two teams involved in the first ever Copa Libertadores match. Did you know that? No. I discovered it during the match I, I looked them up quickly to see where they played and uh, on their Wikipedia it said that they were involved in the first game I can't remember who it was against or what the score was uh, but there we go so somehow Jorge Wilstermann is another legendary team indeed yeah in, in one way of speaking um, we said we were going to talk about the television rights because yes. we have some very exciting news and that is that after being delayed at least twice, and I think three times, the decision on the, who gets the TV rights for the next season has now been taken, and it doesn't surprise anybody no. who has been paying any attention. And the, and the, decision... the best offers, or the best offers from a financial point of view, were the ones from ESPN and Media Pro, the Spanish um, company who might very well pronounce their name Media Pro, for all I know, given that it's an English sounding name. Um, and who won it, Andres? Fox and Turner, the fusion between those companies, mm-hmm. which were, I think, they weren't very friends, very very friendly some time ago, but now they were, like, friends for this. Well, they're rivals in, in North America, yes. as a lot of our listeners will know, um, but they've teamed up to, as La Nación put it, they've, they've teamed up to divide the South between them. Uh. Yes, uh, and, and I, I risk myself to say that uh, the decision had n- not so much to do with the money involved in the, uh, the in the business, but something that has to do with the trial. Mm. That uh, um, Torneos, which Fox, the the channel, the the company that produces the matches that that uh, are uh, broadcasted by Fox Sports, uh, was on a trial against the AFA. 
because of the 2009, uh, how would you say, breaking contract? Yeah, so the most accurate bit, because I got um, pulled up in a very friendly way um, on Twitter uh, for this by, by Alejandro Casar, who, who's the editor of La Nación's sports section. Um, and so he, he gave me a minor correction. So we've gone over this situation before in previous episodes. So apologies to listeners who are already familiar with the situation, but obviously we might well have some new ones now, particularly with the year having changed and whatnot. Um, so really briefly, in 2009, the middle of the year, there was a players' strike which caused the 2009-10 season to be delayed due to unpaid wages. It was a similar situation to, to what we've just seen here in the last couple of weeks. Um, and on that occasion, the government, uh, the, the previous government, of course, the, well, the previous but one government, I guess, it was Nestor was president at the time, right? Or was it Christine already? No, Christine. No, it was Christine already, yes. but Nestor was still alive. That was it. Yes. Um, and the, the government's response to this, uh, basically TSC, um, who were the rights holders at the time, um, refused to to update the payment along with inflation. So the AFA tried to get some more money out of them and they said, no, we've already paid you for the rights for for this year so we're not giving you any more so the government said to AFA look tear up the contract we'll make sure it doesn't that the court case doesn't go anywhere and we will give you all of this money to then televise the matches on free to air television that's how Football Para Todos was born which is the system that a lot of our listeners around the world have enjoyed being able to watch the games for free on YouTube and on various other websites in the last year or so with a bit of help from a VPN from time to time but before that not even with that um and Torneos, or TSC to be more accurate, sorry, I keep saying Torneos, um, has had a pending court case since then, which until now has always been held back. But of course, the change of government at the end of 2015 to a government who said immediately, Football Paratolos has to either pay for itself or we're getting rid of it, um, has opened things back up for that group. Torneos is um, an owner of 50% of TSC. The other 50% is owned by the Clarín group, who are or were at the time um, the Kirchner administration's loudest critics which some people might say uh, had something to do with the fact that um, that the Kirchner administration took those rights away from them unilaterally or rather encouraged the AFA to take the rights away from them unilaterally and then give them to to the government um, and that court case is, is now sort of with a more friendly uh, a government who are going to be more friendly to private investment and to, to companies such as Clarine and Torneos uh, that court case has the opportunity to move forward and so one of the things that was included in Fox and Turner's offer or rather the clarification of Fox and Turner's offer last week um, was that they said look if we win the rights Torneos are going to be doing the production work for us um, and they as half owners of TSC will see to it that this court case disappears they'll, they'll drop the case if you give us the rights um, Something so, that Media Pro, the Media Pro responsible mm -hmm. of presenting the offer, said that, of course, they 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 smelled that this was was going to happen. So he said that uh, this in Spain would be uh, not permitted or wasn't would be illegal. Well, in Argentina, could be illegal too, but it doesn't care. They they, they don't care because the, the the main thing here is the interest of the clubs or what. The, the, the business and AFA not yeah so if it's illegal or not legal that wasn't the point it's an interesting um, story to follow and it's an interesting situation to be in of course if you happen to be somebody who I don't know 
works freelance for ESPN occasionally covering the Argentine league it's slightly frustrating because it could have meant a bit more work I don't know if the if the international rights would have been included in the deal or not but uh, if they had done I might have actually got something a bit more regular so out of it Who things knows? will be it's like going back to before 2009 because mm. it's the same interp- the same company they well the 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 journalists will be the same that have been working right now because uh, some of them were already hired by Fútbol para Todos like uh, well, Sebastián Miñolo, Diego La Torre and that uh, which are known because of the Fox Sports work for Champions League and But before 2009 were all of the matches shown on, no. on TV? Even though it was obviously codified and you had to have subscription uh, no, they, no. they still weren't all on TV Not all of them, not all of them. You had, you, I think you had to pay but uh, some, some of them were were shown on, on TV uh, the situation as from August obviously these, these rights aren't uh, taking effect right away they're, they're for the next season onwards and it's going to be for five years with an option to then renew for another five years at the end of it uh, and the situation is likely to be that uh, for those of us living in Argentina you will have to pay a, an extra subscription fee on top of your cable subscription fee um, to get the, the biggest matches um, from the sound of it we did mention I think no, finally, finally they said that they, all of the matches will be uh, when, with the 20, 15 to 20 dollars payment uh, all of the matches will be uh, but they'll all be in that 14 matches for, since August um, because what I was reading before was that uh, they might be putting no. some of them just on the basic cable TV package no. so they'd be open still no all of them will be premium the big five. Like, they'll all be premium Yes, but it will be in one package we, we did mention a couple of weeks ago that they were thinking of doing um, so Fox had said if we win the rights then or somebody from Fox rather had gone on a radio show and said if we win the rights then what we might do is have Boca away games and River home no. games on one package River home games and Boca away games on the other and then as well as that game each weekend there would also be half of the it other matches still not decided. they're not going to do that no now. it's still not decided but apparently there will be we have here in Argentina three Fox Sports channels which are Fox Sports 1 2 yeah. and 3 and they may also create Turner Sports Panamericana. Uh, yes, indeed. Although Turner apparently think you're putting some on um, space and TNT. Oh, TNT is the other one, is it? Oh, yes. Okay. Good. Super. And Which TBS, but this TBS is a more humor-based. Uh, In inverted commas, yes. I, I would say as a as a Brit, they show the American Office, not good as our one, but still, um, bit of light-hearted, friendly country against country piss taking there for you. Um, but yeah, so the situation is that if you've enjoyed free legal YouTube streams of Argentine matches until now, um, get as many of them as you still can in, in the That's next few months. Because in August, as from August onwards, if you tweet me asking for a link to a game, my response will be, I'm paying for a subscription for this. Yes. Go away. But it's, that is also not clear because I think they should uh, permit a, a, an abroad subscription paying, of course, something. But I guess that's down to whoever gets the international rights, yes. which presumably are going to be held separately still, because one of the things that allowed this weekend just gone to take place was that Trisa, who are the international rights holders, which is a group that I think TIC has a controlling yes. share over. I don't know when they're the full. Yes, it's Telerredi Machen. It's the Trisa. Oh, that's what it stands for. Ah, and yes. then SAR, yes. Sociedad Anonima. Yes. Thank you. I, I did wonder that. I wonder whether it was just a name or whether it was an acronym. Yes. Um, but yeah, so I would assume that they're still going to be holding some international rights. I'm going to pause to let this ambulance go past. Okay, the ambulance has gone past now. That's actually the second one in less than ten minutes that I've had to cut out. But hopefully, you won't have heard the previous cut if you were, uh, if if I've done it properly. 
um, in the editing. I thought I'd let that one go past with a comment anyway, because hopefully there won't be another one in the next 10 minutes. Um, but this whole discussion about the rights is, is sort of germane to when the next season's going to start. There is a little now, now that the deal's been signed, um, or rather once it is signed, because although it's been confirmed, I don't think it's yet been completely signed, but once it is, um, it will mean that the league is in a more healthy financial footing and therefore that the start of the next campaign um, is a little more secure in its dates than the current one was. It's also germane to the... Um, what's the word I'm looking for? The format of, of the next championship. Um, because we know already that all three groups uh, who were bidding for the rights said that they weren't happy with a 30-team championship. This had to be reduced. We already knew, of course, that um, the next championship isn't going to consist of 30 teams because they confirmed that in the beginning of this season. Four teams are going down at the end of this season. Only two are coming up. So the next championship will be 28 teams. We have a rough idea of how it might be structured um, because the television companies obviously want it to be a more competitive first division and that's going to mean not having a first division in which about a third of the division isn't really the top flight as it were, they, they want a more sensible structure um, so that combines with the fact that, as we mentioned a couple of weeks ago, the AFA took the decision to revert back to a European calendar um, before the change to the Copa Libertadores uh, that's happening this year was known so, in 2014, we had a transitional championship. I mentioned this the, the several transitional championships earlier. Um, in 2014, the idea of that transitional championship, which went for the second half of that year, was to bump the season round so that it ran from February through to November-December, a calendar year season. This was a decision that was taken by when Julio Grandona was still alive, basically, and it was, it was too late to reverse it when uh, he died, even though none of the clubs really wanted it. Um, they prefer a or they preferred at the time a season that lined up with the European season because that way the transfer windows lined up better and, and it wouldn't affect the Argentine Championship quite so much if you sell anybody in the middle of the year compared with in the middle of the season. Um, so they, they they took that decision. That lasted for one year. We had the 2015 season as an annual a, a, a calendar year championship, and then there was another transitional championship because during 2015 they took the decision to move back to a European in inverted commas so August to May season um, which made sense and that's what we're on now so first half of last year there was another transitional six month championship second half of last year the current season began which is August to May 2016-17 and now of course when that decision was taken we didn't know that the Copa Libertadores was going to be moved to a well, really, it's in January. I think the qualifiers started in January, but let's call it February um, to December season. It that it was going to be expanded through the whole of the year because prior to that, of course, the Libertadores had just taken up half a year plus a couple of months when Copa America and uh, World Cups were taken into account. Um, it does make more sense, of course, to have the Argentine domestic season lining up with the Copa Libertadores and therefore they have taken the decision to move back to a calendar year championship for which reason during the second half of 2017 we are going to have another transitional championship it'll be the third in three years um, and it's probably going to be a similar format to the 2016 one which uh, consisted of two groups of 15 teams each everybody playing everybody in their group once plus their classical rivals who would be in the other group um, 
twice. So, for instance, River and Boca would be in Group A and Group B and would play each other home and away and then would play everybody else in their own group just the once, either home or away. Um, and then a final. What they're going to do this year is, first of all, obviously, the um, the groups will only be 14 teams each because there are only going to be 28 teams in the top division only. <laughs> um and they're going to have it going into... Oh, just as they did, in fact, last year. Yeah, semi-finals followed by a final. Um, I think that they confirmed that the other week in, in an AFA assembly or, or, or either that or, or that's what's been put on the um, the drawing board to confirm at the AFA assembly at the end of the month, which is also when there's going to be an AFA presidential election, which is going to be won by Chiki Tapia. We can reveal that exclusively now because he's the only person standing for president. He is the president of... Barraca Central. Ah, oh, thank you. Yes, I wanted to say Nueva Chicago, but that's Daniel Ferreira. It's a, it's a, it's a, it's a team uh, related to the trade uh, truck drivers trade union, mm. uh, whose whose president is Hugo Moyano, the president of Independiente, and that's why he gained like popularity because he was like the relative to Hugo Moyano, and and now he's like the uh, apparently the new. President of AFA, or will he's, be. He's Moshano's brother in law, or something, isn't he? Or something, son in law, yes. or his son is Moshano's son in law, or something like that. I don't know how, how it's clear, but yes, it's, it's something like that. And uh, what is not, I think, I think not good for 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 the for football is that uh, we don't know whether he's capable of doing things okay or he's just the relative of another. Uh, Man who has power in the country and in the in in, in sports, mm. and that's why he will be the president. He has a lot of uh, support because he's a from uh, he comes from a team who is a small team from the minor divisions. So the minor division uh, board member teams teams of the teams of well <laughs> the board the board members of other teams that are also small and are also from from minor divisions mm. support him because of that and he they think that he will benefit those teams yeah uh, and that's the only real reason why he will be the person and apart uh, although uh, Rodolfo Donofrio and Marcelo Tinelli in that's the vice president of San, of San Lorenzo. Lorenzo and the president of River Plate for newcomers Yes. Uh, sorry, I got that the wrong way around. The president of River Plate is Donofrio, the vice president yes. of San Lorenzo. They were Tinelli. not uh, in favor of Chiquitapia, hmm. so they wanted to to come with another uh, candidate. But there was enough. There wasn't enough time, and they when they uh, realized that they could do this, it was it was late because uh, Tapia had a lot of support and was wouldn't be uh, successful that move. So that now they are, they will be part of the government, mm. both Donofrio and Tinelli. I think Donofrio will be the vice president of the Superliga that we have been discussing, but yeah. then uh, I think it was approved finally, but then we didn't talk about that because it was like delayed. And it's kind of irrelevant until the second yes. half of the year, really, but we will cover it if yes. any of you have questions about it in future weeks. And Tinelli, Marcelo Tinelli, the vice president of San Lorenzo, will be the new secretary of uh, national teams yeah um, which isn't quite what they wanted Tinelli wanted the presidency of the Superliga and I'm not sure what I think Donofrio wanted second vice presidency of AFA didn't he because uh, Daniel Akelisi the president of Boca Juniors is going to be the first vice president of AFA um, from this point onwards 
or rather from, uh, I think it's the 29th of March is when the election is. Yes. Uh, but we already, as I said, know what's going to happen there because there's only one person running for president, so it's a bit of a non-election, really. Um, possibly not as much of a non-election as, as it was in Julio Grandona's day. We might have people standing down or, or refusing to vote or whatever, but still. It's the, the, same, the, the style will be the same as Grandona's yes. style because it will be only one candidate, right. elections for one candidate, the same as Grandona was. Although Tapia is going to have a mandate of four years and a maximum um, of one renewal of that mandate, so it's not going to be—he's not going to be in charge of AFA for as long yes. as Grandon is. Although, of course, it's the AFA, so who knows when they change the rules in the meantime to allow him to be another 35-year president? You never know. Um, let's move on to some listeners' questions yes. now. Chris Hartley says, "What are the typical snacks that you will find at an Argentine football ground?" Well, Argentina and football are intimate, intimate related to to chori, choripan, which is uh, like a sausage, pork, pork sausage, pork sausage yeah. uh, between two breads, and it's called choripan. Well, I think mo- most or several listeners will know wh- what I am talking about, but the choripan and the hamburger or patty, here is called more... A patty because it's a brand. Yeah, and we're not talking good quality hamburgers here. You can get those now increasingly across Buenos Aires, but not inside football grounds. So, but sometimes you find supermarket yes. style patty. Although it's not uh, the best quality, sometimes you find the cheese hamburger. Yeah, uh, and uh, in a, an, another more top events like, for example, because we are talking about Argentina, though it's not football. For example, it's Argentina Open of tennis or Copa Davis, hmm. Davis Cup. You, you find pizza empanadas, uh, which are like more quiet uh, environment and they can offer different foods. Yeah, and they also obviously cater to a slightly different market. So you end yes. up with some uh, sort of private uh, companies uh, selling their wares and whatnot there at Davis yes. Cup Games. It's, it's like going to sport in, in a different country altogether. Yes. Quite pleasant, in fact. Naji yeah. <laughs> um, FC says we had a couple of clarifications here because I wasn't quite sure what he meant with his first or or she in fact what they meant with their first tweet um, and so I, I there was a bit of a back and forth between us so I'm going to read out the whole uh, discussion he said they said could you please explain the Primera app and bet systems as I still get confused I then said what exactly are you confused by he said the fixtures how will it work given 30 teams qualifications of the Copa Libertadores and relegation um and afterwards he said sorry for not clarifying I mean in Primera and Bay there are 23 teams so how does the fixture work and whether it affects the promotion relegation so to go through all of that um, the Primera it used to be called the Primera División A but now it's just or Primera A uh, now it's just called the Primera División these days um, is the top flight it currently consists of 30 teams as we mentioned earlier on um, from August onwards it's only going to be 28 teams and then it's going to be going down one thing that I forgot to clarify while we were talking about the television stuff is that the TV company um, Fox and I think ESPN as well during the the negotiation process said that if they could then they were going to try and pressure the AFA um, to reduce the quantity of teams in the top flight more quickly than just two per year so it might still be that the AFA decide to say relegate eight teams at the end of this year and only promote two from the top flight so that we end up with 20 Four. Four, I think that would be, wouldn't it? Yeah, or 22 possibly, um, for the beginning of next year and sort of get down there much more quickly than, than the initial plan, which was to relegate two more than they promote for the next few years. Um, but for the moment, the Primera División is the top flight. Um, the Primera B, 
which Najee mentions in their third tweet, is actually the second, uh, the third division, sorry. Um, it, it's the, the Greater Buenos Aires bit of the third division, which is concurrent with the uh, Torneo Federal A, which is the third division for teams in the rest of the country. Um, what I think they mean is, is the Primera B Nacional, which is the second division, and in which, as they say, there are 23 teams at the moment. So the way that that works is that everybody plays each other home and away over the course of the season. And each weekend, I think it's one team uh, sits out uh, the round of fixtures. So basically everybody gets a break week. One of the things that Nancy also asked about was Copa Libertadores qualification. And when this season began, the current season, we were expecting not to have a transitional championship in the second half of this year because we were expected to keep with the European in emerging commerce seasons. Uh, that's now changed, which means that the transitional championship in the second half of 2017 is going to have to give at least one club a continental place. So what they have done is, rather than the top five of the current season qualifying for next year's Libertadores, they have, uh, either have taken or are going to take, I'm not sure whether it's been completely confirmed yet, um, the decision to give the top four places in the current championship um, Copa Libertadores spots and then whoever wins the transitional championship will also get a Libertadores spot so only one Libertadores spot up for grabs in the second half of the year um, thank you for the question because it was a good one um, Darren, sorry but any, anyway what, what was going to, to add is I don't totally disagree with the uh, opinion of the of the companies that were fighting for the rights of Argentine football which is to uh, have a, a, a less team tournament rapid in a rapid way more faster than the way that AFA wanted to do it because uh, I have checked of course because I don't usually watch any Primera Day information but they have 16 teams yeah so and now it, there is a very very huge gap so they could move of course not 10 teams like they did to promote 10 teams for the shut down Yes, but 10 and then shut down 8 or 6 yes. from the, the second division and but it's ridiculous to have 30 teams in the most important division and 16 in the, the be less important Yeah, it's a very very, very big gap and it's, it will be good to uh, solve it in a well, re relatively quick way, not uh, 3 years, 4 years but perhaps 2 exactly uh, Darren Paul asks can you just say how terrible Lautaro Martinez is, he is trash I think he means Arsenal, this are and but he might mean Arsenal, the way they're going at the moment. Uh, would hate to have him. Do Banfield have the nicest selection of kids? Antonio Martinez scored for Racing, didn't he, at the weekend? Yes, Not yes, sure yes. He, he's in a good strike of, of scoring goals, and he, he has been on fire since the under 20 national team qualification. So, yeah, yeah I, I think Darren's being a bit harsh on him, but Banfield, nicest selection of kits? Possibly. Yeah, a nice then, orange change number, which I'm quite partial to. I must admit. I think the, the uh, of course, the Arsenal supporters will think that yeah, I, I am. I don't like their club, but I think that they only. And they'd be right. Not <laughs> nice or ugly or awful. Kit is the Arsenal one. Mm. The the light blue uh, with red and that. I don't like it, but there are a lot of of nice kits, and uh, of course, I will say River for me is the nicest. But uh, there, there are a lot of, of, of nice ones. Tom Robinson says, I'm sure you'll discuss Icardi's latest exclusion again, maybe next week when we're going to be previewing Argentina versus Chile. Um, but what does Leandro Paredes have to do to get a call-up? 
I'm not aware of what he is doing, I must admit. He's a Roman, he's a Roman, he's playing well. Uh, I think that he, Bowser has, has to watch him mm. in order to, to be called up because he has been playing in, at the midfield, not, I think, in the uh, position he had when he started at Boca, he more like a more with, between, uh, of course, uh, not a, 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 as an enganche, typical enganche, but more like that position and at Roma he's playing more like a, a midfielder classic number five or, or center midfielder and yes he's doing well I think he could be called up but it's not something that we say yes he has to be there because it's impossible for a player like him not to be in the national team like Icardi who is he's, he's also not as big a name player I guess back yes. here I mean Icardi even though he's not been called up uh still has, you know, there's a debate around him just because of how good he is. Whereas yes. Paredes is flying a little bit more under the radar, just all round, really. But you have Banega, who has been also mm. playing really well. So he scored three goals as well as Icardi in last match against Atalanta, I think, 7-1. Mm. Uh, and yes, I think he will be Icardi, Mascherano. I think Villa is injured or he's... Not injured. He is injured, and so he's dropped out of the squad because I think he's, he was included yes. in the first call-up. Yeah. Yes. Um, but yeah, so no, you would think that Paredes is going to be one of the players in the conversation, but for whatever reason, he's not at the moment. Arsenal fanatic um, says, "Why have Estudiantes? Why has Estudiantes form fallen off a cliff when at one point they looked like runaway leaders?" I have just checked out their overall history in the league so far this season, and I think it's got to do with a relatively kind sort of run of fixtures early on in the season which then helped them get some momentum going and once they did come unstuck their first defeat of the season was in the 11th round against Banfield away Um, as we said earlier when we were talking about Boca it's a tricky place to go Um, since then it it seems to have really unsettled them because at the end of last year they had three losses and one draw in the last four games and obviously they've started this year with that 3-2 defeat away to Beres Um, but I think as much as anything, the defence is, is where the problem is. I mean, of their last... So in their last five league games now, they've lost four, uh, drawn one, and three of those four losses were 3-2, which suggests there's not an awful lot going wrong up front, but in defence, yes. for whatever reason... They, they have two, two centre-backs that are heavy and slow, and one of them is, is old also, like uh, the Sabato. And I think Chunk is still there... Uh, well, he's also a big uh, in terms of height, but yeah. he's small, heavy, uh, slow, heavy, and I think that that has to do with uh, perhaps not being uh, with a good defense because they are slow and and, and, and perhaps not uh, uh, when there there is a cross or or a corner kick they are tall and could could clear the ball, but then uh, I think that with faster center backs. Defense could change, but it, that's my opinion, of course. Yeah, and they might very well, you know, get back onto form uh, later on. You wouldn't put it past them because on, on paper, yes. at least, they're a decent side. Uh, Dan Williamson says, "Why on earth isn't the Mario Kempes pitch ready after a, a whole summer?" That is the stadium in uh, Cordoba. Um, I have done some research into this one because, of course, we gave you a, a very, very brief and vague explanation two weeks ago in, in the first episode of the year. Um, but basically the reason was that it needed to be relayed because it was by far the most used pitch in Argentina during 2016. 
Uh, it's the only pitch in the Primera which hosts home games for two different teams. Uh, Tacheres and Belgrano both play on it. It also hosted a number of quite big events for rock concerts and a couple of big public events in the stadium uh, during last year. So they took the decision over the summer uh, to relay it. The first thing that happened was that the Primera went on later into December than it normally does. Normally the summer break in Argentina starts in early December. This year they played in the, the last weekend before Christmas there were matches um, so they weren't able to start up until then. When they did, the start of the work was delayed, and then the start of stripping the whole. They stripped the whole pitch, and then they had to wait a little while because a really big storm hit Cordoba. Then they put started to put the pitch down, and another really big storm hit Cordoba. And basically, there've been lots of delays there, which mean that the final thing was put in um, after the original start of the season, which was on the twelfth of February, uh, should have happened. And they now need to leave it another few weeks before the pitch is actually settled enough to play on without getting all hacked up. Um, so the answer is, from what we, from what I've read at least, it's going to be a beautiful pitch when it's actually ready to play. Um, because they want it in tip-top condition. Yes. But in the meantime, Tacheres, of course, had to get their match against uh, Independiente delayed last weekend. And as I mentioned at the top of the show, Belgrano versus Racing this coming week is also going to be delayed. Yes. Grass is not attached properly and, well, yes. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and what is hilarious is well, there there will be a new president and new new elections, new authorities, but things are the same because uh, Tacheres can play in Mayor Campes and, and so that the match is it's not played. Yeah, aren't there any other stadiums? Or well, Belgrano have their own stadium, for instance. Of course, Ta- Tacheres, I think Tacheres' own stadium isn't up to Primera standards. They actually can't play there, but Belgrano could play their match this weekend if they were made to. You know they could play it in, in their own ground. Um, I think, um, but yeah, it, it's it's the AFA and it's 2017, so that's the reason for the craziness. Essentially, Liam Kelly finally, who is no relation to me, says Lanús versus River on Tuesday night due to the Copa Libertadores question mark. And the answer to that one is yes, that is the reason. They're both playing as we already mentioned uh, tomorrow Thursday evening. Um, oh no, sorry, they're not. River are playing tonight. Lanús are playing tomorrow evening. Um, so yes it, that, that is why it's being played next Tuesday and then Liam says will there be fixtures during the international break to catch up the answer to that one is it looks like there will be um, but they are going to probably allow teams who have international call-ups to delay their matches so they're going to be playing as many as they can do this uh, next weekend but by no means all of them all of the big five for instance will be given the right to postpone their games because they'll have teams away on in- uh, players away on international duty for if not for Argentina, then for other South American national teams. So the round will be parted in two, exactly, and, yeah. and teams will be... And it's not actually going to finish any earlier yes. as a result. I mean, why not yes. just delay the whole round? Teams will be able to choose whether to play or not, mm. and it's obvious that, for example, Boca they, they will have Betancourt for eight matches, yeah. absent because of the of the uh, FIFA date round, and for the because of the under-20 uh, World Cup yeah. in South Korea. Um, now we have more mystical predictions which I think I'm going to do again because once more I completely forgot to ask people uh, for their predictions unless you fancy giving them a go Andres off the top of your head Um, so the next piece of theme music is Mystic Sam's theme music and afterwards I will give you some predictions that I am making up as I go along don't go away Okay, the clicking on my keyboard, by the way, is uh, my me noting down my predictions as I say them. 
Uh, on Friday evening, we begin the round with Quilmes versus Rosario Central. I'm going for a draw in that one. Union against Colón on Saturday, the Santa Fe Clásico. I'm going to go for an Union victory there. Tigre versus Gimnasia La Plata, I think, will be a Gimnasia win. Newell's Old Boys against Vélez. I would have been tempted by a Newell's win until this last weekend, when, given the results that each of the ties got, I'm going to go for a draw. Independiente, I think, are going to draw at home to San Martín de San Juan. I'm going for Huracán against Defensa Justicia, also to be a draw. Belgrano are going to lose at home to Racing. It's being played in Instituto de Córdoba Stadium, it says here. So according to this, that game oh. is taking place, but not at the Mario Kempes. They're playing at Instituto's ground. Um, Estudiantes de la Plata versus Patronato de Paraná. I think he's going to be an Estudiantes win. I think they can pick themselves up out of their slump. Sarmiento versus Temperley. I'm going for a... Let's go for a Temperley win there. Uh, Godoy Cruz against San Lorenzo. Godoy Cruz to win that one. I think San Lorenzo are very out of sorts at present. Olimpo versus Banfield looks to me like a Banfield win. Boca Juniors against Tacheres de Cordoba. I think could be a draw. I like Tacheres. Um, I fancy them to get an upset there. Arsenal versus Atletico de Rafaela is the match to ensure that you do not watch this coming weekend. That one's on Monday at 7pm if you want to make sure that you're doing something else. And I'm going for a draw there. Atletico Tucumán versus Aldo Civi will be a home victory for the Tucumanos. And Lanús versus River, draw. Any thoughts on those, Andres? No, I, I pretty agree with the predictions of Mystic Sun. Good to hear it. We're going to get going now. Unfortunately, we ran slightly over um, this week and are finishing somewhat later than we were planning to because there were there was a battery failure and then there was a memory card failure at one point during this recording. So if you heard a couple of slightly clunky edits and uh, me suddenly started to talk over myself uh, that will be why thank you very much for listening I'm going to sign off as quickly as I can because Andres has got 10 minutes to get back before the river game starts now sorry um, but thank you very much for listening and we will you will hear from us we will not see you of course but we might read your questions again next week thank you for listening to Under Pod from Andres goodbye thank you and from me goodbye and thank you A slightly delayed full-time score, finally, from Medellin. The River Plate game uh, was delayed halfway through the first half because it was raining torrentially there. So it was um, replayed or, or restarted about an hour later. Uh, in Bajo Flores, first of all, San Lorenzo lost 1-0 to Atletico Paranaense. That very, very early Lucho González header was enough for the visitors. And just now um, in Medellín, River have won their Copa Libertadores Open a 3-1 against DIM.